Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. The whole year, all they do is show commercials. Who's in? Who's in? Who's in? Who's in? Who cares? It's September. Pete Thamel. Part of this is not just the ACC being conniving. It's the ACC doing gymnastics to kowtow to Clemson. And SI's Pat Forty. I'm sorry that Dan Wetzel can't pick Michigan again this week for his lock of the week. <laughs> Their game is canceled. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Looking for a big week here. Uh, Let's start with the news that uh, is out just before we started taping this on Wednesday. University of Michigan, which is currently doing their training virtually, however that works, uh, will not play this weekend against Maryland. There is an outbreak on the Wolverines. Uh, I know the numbers that came back after the Thanksgiving testing were not good. So question uh i don't think a lot of people are going to shed a tear that they're going to miss the maryland michigan game but there is already much tumult and discussion and apologies and all sorts of things going on about whether michigan and ohio state will play as scheduled on december 12th obviously covid protocols could keep michigan out uh, legitimately they could also flare up at Ohio State, which just resumed and is hoping to play Michigan State this weekend. We hope that goes down. But the Buckeyes bailed out in their game last week at Illinois. The big uh, the big firework came from Ohio State uh, alum and ESPN chief uh, college football analyst, Kirk Herbstreet, who went on the otherwise extremely boring, and so I didn't watch it, ranking show, ranking show where the rankings don't change. In all fairness, they have to put a show on about nothing every week. We'll get to that too. But anyway, Herb it's Street the Seinfeld ranking show. It really is. I don't. The, the ranking show is stupid. It always has been and is detrimental to the sport. But that's all right. We'll get to that. Uh, anyway, Herb Street uh, later apologized for this, as you all know. But he basically s- uh, said he believed Michigan waves the white flag and potentially avoids playing Ohio State next week by the current Big Ten rules. Keep Ohio State out of the Big Ten title. It'd be one way for Michigan to deny Ohio State a Big Ten title, I guess. He was then given a chance to kind of walk it back by Reese Davis, who who <laughs> was a little bit aghast at the concept that Herb Street was insinuating that uh, Michigan would just chicken out of a game. Herbie did not walk it back, said basically went with the coaches are telling me around the country that this is going on. 
people are bailing on the loss. Later, quickly uh, went to Twitter and apologized in a video because uh, it's a rather bold accusation saying that Michigan won't play. Obviously, it's easy for many fans to sit there and say, I don't want to watch what would likely be a woodshed beatdown. But uh, it's a whole nother thing to say that about the players and the coaches who dedicate their life to this Ohio State game. As one Ohio State guy or Michigan guy said, why would, of course, you want to play? It's the only thing that could save the season. Like, <laughs> but anyway, I'll get to my points later. Pat, your thoughts on uh, the uh, Lafair de Herb Street? Lafair <laughs> <laughs> de. I don't Herbie. know if that was proper French. I spent a, six Good weeks enough. in France last summer, and I still can't. Herbe, Lafair de Herbe. Yeah, that. Well, a lot of people do come to our podcast for international pronunciation and uh, wor- worldliness, so. Well, I was sitting there. I was actually, I checked into my hotel. I went to Indy to watch Kansas-Kentucky basketball. Checked into my We're hotel. Sorry. I was watching. There. Yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. What a game, <laughs> let me tell you. I'm, st- I'm still bleeding? traumatized. No, I'm yeah. still traumatized. I'm watching the ranking show just because I'm in the hotel. What, what else am I going to do? And uh, Herb Street said that. And I was like, did he just say, did he say what I thought he said? And I actually tweeted that. And then the immediate responses from everywhere was, yes, that's what he said. And then, yeah, Reese Davis came back at him, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, that was that was a, a loose cannon comment from a guy who's not really much of a loose cannon. It's one thing if, if you may suspect that, but if you're the lead analyst in the sport and you go and you throw that dagger directly at the University of Michigan as an Ohio State alum who tries to cover everyone fairly, you have just asked for it. And he got it. Uh, and that's why he walked back and apologized as quickly as he did. Now, to, to me, and I wrote about this, is that, that this underscores the amount of suspicion and cynicism that's gone into this just mess of a last month of the season here. Is Are there people who are tanking? Probably so. Uh, and avoiding games. And is that talk out there? Yeah, I guarantee Kirk's hearing it. I'm hearing it. Pete's hearing it. Dan, you're hearing it. I mean, we're all hearing that talk. There's no doubt about it. Is it, is it true, fair, full, and accurate? I don't know. But uh, the, the problem is there is so little motivation for some teams to keep going through this slog to the finish that people are figuring out, okay, so do they, do they really want to play? Do they have a COVID issue or are they just faking it? And that's this is, this is part and parcel. If you're going to have this season – as we've been saying all along, if you sign up for the circus, man, you're going to step on a lot of peanut shells. That's what we're doing right now <laughs> is we are walking through a circus of the last few weeks here. Barefoot. Barefoot, yeah. <laughs> a couple thoughts. Thought Herb Street handled the aftermath well. Immediately apologized, was sincere. He's built up a lot of credibility. I think we all know and like Kirk Herb Street. Thought he handled that all very well, classy, professionally. And I want to thank him for just giving us the ultimate fodder for our show. Well, thank you, I mean, Kirk. Baseless <laughs> conspiracy theories, igniting the biggest rivalry in the sport, or one of them, just giving us a little peek into like the dark inner workings of the 2020 football season. Yeah, and we're all in on pandemic I, conspiracy I theories. Thought so debating, you, and- I thought debating whether Iowa State should be ninth or not was going to really <laughs> grab the listeners. BYU is too low. (laughs) Where's Colorado? It's almost like they knew the rating show was going to be a dud and wanted to spice it up a little bit. 
if we're in the baseless conspiracy theories uh, yeah, well, right. ca- category here, right? So um, I will say this about like any good conspiracy theory that, that Kirk threw out, there are some germs of truth to it. Do I believe Michigan was going to wave the white flag? No, but perhaps Herb Street knew what happened a day later, which was Michigan was going to, you know, Michigan's game against Maryland was in danger. And that wasn't like a secret. People at Maryland asking me the last 48 hours, hey, is this, you know, what are you hearing out of Michigan? What are you hearing out of Michigan? Like Michigan's status with COVID was something that was out on the uh, on the wire. Now, Michigan has not yet released its numbers yet. They have been very good about weekly COVID releases, but they have not exactly been specific. So we don't have like Ohio State. We know the the cohort of the entire 170 tier one. We know they have passed that 7.5 percent threshold. We don't know that yet about uh, about Michigan. So, yeah, I sort of just enjoyed the enjoyed the chicanery of it all. And, and we could talk more about this, but I do believe that there and I know like conference offices have been battling with programs. You need to play like the Big 12s stuff is even if you have walk-ons at positions, they count. Others are scholarship. Like there have been bare knuckle fights between schools and league offices this year, whether to play or not to play. If your game is going to be against fill in the blank bottom feeder versus fill in the blank top 10 team, your motivation is going to dictate how you can game the numbers. And people are gaming the numbers. And people thought it was outrageous that Herb Street insinuated that. I just think if you've been paying attention, that's been pretty obvious to you. Like, I don't think that's some like holier than that. Like he was like saying that people have been breaking sacred trusts. Like there's been gamesmanship. There's been gamesmanship all year. The circumstances of COVID have allowed for that. So I had no problems with Kirk Herb Street saying that part of it. I agree. Just the general part of it i agreed with that completely i uh, i like when we're no longer polite on the espn show which is otherwise a snoozer <laughs> yes. because they do debate yeah. <laughs> that those rankings nobody in the top seven moved it's like yeah. you know cincinnati they can put you as high as they want they ain't putting you in <laughs> sorry to break it to you um <laughs> you know so th- there's nothing to discuss on that so I, I did appreciate that my my issue with it and and this is you know the problem is uh, pretty much everybody who's going to have one of these jobs went to a school somewhere. And so Herb Street's, whether it was, it came from Ohio State or it's just the unfortunate aspect that he is an Ohio State former quarterback, it comes across as this is Ohio State kind of saying Michigan doesn't want to play us. They're chicken. This is who I'm listening to. And so I don't know. I don't know whether he's talking to Ryan Day or it's just unfortunate because we got to, one good thing about going to the worst school in the whole, the worst team in the whole thing. <laughs> Nobody really blames me for anything. Like, just, right? Hey, Syracuse I, isn't far behind. Oh, Syracuse yes, you and are. UMass met on a high school field in Albany. Like, I don't think Syracuse would be like 14-point favorites. The Minutemen right? like, scored 12 <laughs> points the whole season. 12. <laughs> okay, two was on a block punt, uh, ruining my prop bet. But anyway, <laughs> so I, it's, it, it, in fairness to Herb Street, we got no idea. But he went to Ohio State, and I know he takes great it takes great effort in trying to just basically always be positive about Michigan because you can't win. You just literally right. can't win. If you, I went to, he had to go somewhere. So this is, and he happened to go to the, one of the biggest robbers. My issue though, was this Jim Harbaugh, you can say, and we, we sure have on this podcast and in my columns for years, anything you pretty much want about Jim Harbaugh, he's doing a horrible job. The team sucks. They are two and four. He has not have good enough players. He hasn't developed the ones that he has. Even when they're doing pretty well, like last year, they're nine and three. They're miles behind Ohio State. He's overpaid. 
overhyped all of it, right? I, I am not here to apologize for Jim Harbaugh. But the one thing that you cannot say about Jim Harbaugh based on nearly 40 years in the public eye of football when he became a player at Michigan, at least 35 years, 14-year NFL career, multiple college stops, and, the, and, and, and with the Niners, he is a competitor if nothing else. That's it. Yep. That's all yep. he does is compete. He wanted to go to Michigan, even though he wasn't really that good, and become the starter. And he did. When he was, he beat Ohio State twice. He predicted, he guaranteed a victory over Ohio State as a senior, which not only was like, please bring on the challenge to me to all the Ohio State people, but made Bo Schembechler ready to wring his neck. <laughs> right when when he wanted to when he wanted to become a college in the NFL, he literally had a feud with Mike Ditka, who Ditka said you are not allowed to audible anymore. Kept doing it by saying, "I'm going to prove I'm smarter than you by calling the better play." Right, this is his literal future in the NFL. He's willing to take on Mike Ditka. He took on a one double A non scholarship program just because he wanted to compete as the head coach. That's a career suicide. He takes San Diego. It works. He goes to Stanford and immediately starts fighting with, with Pete Carroll, right? Pete Carroll's USC juggernaut could have beat him 100 to zip. He ends up defeating him, 41-point 41, 41 underdog, and Carroll's pissed. What, what's your deal, man, right? NFL, he feuds with everybody. He feuded with Michigan. He said, you guys are letting people in that aren't academically. <laughs> that was great. He took on his own school. He doesn't care. Oh, yeah. Okay, he wears cleats oh, yeah. on the sideline. There's these stories of him, like as a kid, pitching an entire baseball game to no one all by himself because no one would play with him. So he just pitch nine innings and call the game on his head on a, 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 like the broadcaster too. He, you know, he uh, he's been the towel boy for the for the Indiana Tom Crean just because he wants to buy the action. He still he's 63. He brings a baseball glove to baseball games so he can catch foul balls. <laughs> He, there's a story on uh, Barstool on uh, where he literally this kid's asking for the ball that he that he snags from him. And he's like, you got to learn how to get your own ball. Right. Like he's competing with a tenure. This is Jim. He's not scared of Ohio State. He may get destroyed, but you can't say that about Jim Harbaugh. And that's my problem with Hurtstreet. He should have known better from the start. It's like saying, I don't think John Calipari likes getting into war, wars of, of words with other coaches. I think he's scared <laughs> yeah. to say something in the media about a different, like, wait, wait, you can say whatever you want about John Calabar, but that's the thing he does the best. That's what he likes. <laughs> right. So yeah. that's my problem. Yeah. Like you, you call Har Harbaugh the worst coach in college football right now. Fine. I'm going to argue with that, but don't say he's a coward. We know yeah. he isn't that. And that, to me, it was where the Ohio State part comes in because it's what Ohio State kind of likes to throw out. Well, we care more about this game than these guys up in Ann Arbor. They don't care. Jim Harbaugh grew up in Ann Arbor, right? Ryan Day may care a ton about this game. He may care as much about Harbaugh. Ryan Day's been at Ohio State for three years. In 2017. Like, you didn't invent the rivalry, all right? Let's, let's all settle down. Both sides care. Respect both sides on that. So that's my only problem is Harbaugh is a terrible coach right now, but he is he he I he will walk out of that field thinking he's going to win. Oh yeah, no, I, there's no doubt about it that there. Is, I think we all have some familiarity with the Harbaugh family. Um, you know, I covered his dad Jack in the 1990s. That would like bring bring shame upon the name of the family if you ducked a rival game. 
You know, like like that you couldn't you couldn't show up for Christmas if you did that. There's just no way. That's that is not the way he's wired. That's not the way the family is wired. And yeah, he would go out there with if if you if you told him, okay, Jim, you can play with 22 guys, he'd say, fine, let's go play. And he would be out there and they'd lose 106 to nothing, but he would be he would not say, let's not play. So that's not, you know, that that was it. Is Herb Street, know your audience, know who you're talking about. And the other thing, you know, if 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 he did the second part first and said, generally speaking, our team's dumping games because they're scared they're going to get crushed. Yes. But when you go from general to specific and you specifically say that team is doing it and that specific team is your alma mater's arch rival, you've just lit the powder keg. So that's where Kirk Herbstreit got it wrong. Oh, that's where he got it right, Pat. (laughs) 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 Well, he got it right for us. That's for sure. Yes, that's that's what we care about. Yeah, that's 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 what we uh, that's what we truly, uh, truly care about. No, I mean, look like the the status with the news about the Maryland game, the, the status of the Ohio State Michigan game is is in deep flux right now, and well, that's... It, th- whether that game gets played or not is, or I guess we should say whether Ohio State plays a game that weekend or not, because I got a funny feeling the Big Ten's going to find them a game because the Big Ten doesn't want it to be a two ACC two SEC deal. So yeah, I would if if Ohio State is sitting home on the weekend of December twelfth without an opponent. I would be shocked how we get there and what kind of semantical gymnastics lead us to the reasoning to get us there. I don't know what it is quite yet, but I mean, they have not played Maryland yet. Does Maryland Rutgers disengage and then Maryland goes and plays Ohio state? I don't know. Like I'm, I, cause that game obviously got right. canceled earlier That's in the year. Fair to and Rutgers. then you let Rutgers play Rowan or, or, or Parsippany <laughs> state or, or whatever it is. And just you know, get Shiano to 500 and send him to the Toronto bowl again well. and call it a day. But like, I, <laughs> I just think there will be a creative look. This whole season is basically happening because of creative solutions forced by Ohio state. So I don't think this little obstacle of not having an opponent on the 12th is going to slow them down. Yeah, look, if they can if they can make a game happen, they will. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Now, what you get into then is very flagrantly what what conferences try to avoid to their best extent is we're going to play favorites here. It's we're just going to tell Rutgers, you do not matter as much. Ohio State matters more, so we are going to cater to them or wh- whatever way you're going to manipulate this. Now, hey, we're watching the ACC do the, exactly that right now by catering to Miami New member Notre Dame and Clemson, which we're going to get to, I think, a little in a little bit here. But w- what you would need is another cancellation for next week that would free somebody up to make this a little easier to do, as opposed to just walking in and saying, "You, you're not playing because we need your opponent to play Ohio State." Well, and one of the things that, and we we've discussed this throughout, the Big Ten put themselves behind the eight ball by waiting so long to start their season and then scheduling, you know, six games in six weeks. The ACC is doing this because they already got enough games in. They started and they play. You needed right. to play your six to eight games over the course of like 14 weeks. And then, you know, so they're basically like, why, why are we playing these games? Like, we're not going to, you know, like, forget it. Let's rest up. We'll have the big game. I don't want to mess it up. We want Clemson to play Notre Dame. We want Clemson, the league office. I don't blame them. They want Clemson to win. First off, Notre Dame isn't yeah. even in the damn league the rest of the time. Be totally humiliating. <laughs> right. For Notre Dame to walk in and, you know, it's like someone is walking in and stealing your 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 date, you know, like God came late to the party. Um, <laughs> you 
you know, we can do this. And so games, but the Big Ten, they try to jam their games in and then they gave schools this ability to quit if they want. And and let's go back to this. Ohio State bailed on a game last week. Like, you know, like it's like you're you're accusing someone of what you just did. And you you know, well, it's just the Illinois game. We would have won. Yeah, you you know, you probably yeah, you probably would have won, but you also probably would have beaten Purdue a couple years ago. Probably would have beat Iowa. Yeah. You know, Oklahoma probably would have beat Kansas State last year. You know, Clemson mm-hmm. lost a pit. Usually it's the game you're not supposed to lose that you lose when you're one of these really good teams. You also don't know about injuries. You don't. The easiest way to not lose a game is not play it. So, <laughs> you know, uh, it's like they they set themselves up in this spot and then they have these iron cast rules, which they all agreed to. Nebraska brought this up early on, you know, and, and they all got mad. Um well, you know, so here we are. So what do you do with with Ohio State? I still think I don't care if Ohio State only ends up playing six games. They play Michigan State this weekend. It's five. They they will play Wisconsin probably. They can set they can rig that thing up and and play whoever you want on that Saturday. And at six and oh, this committee is going to put Ohio State in. I, I just I'm not buying that they're not going to. Probably, but the one other shred of interesting news out of the show. Uh, was that they had a, so allegedly had a long debate, strong debate over whether Texas A&M should be four instead of Ohio State. And Gary Barta, the chair of the committee, said that they acknowledged that the difference in games has been a big talking point. Um, and I think if uh, if Texas A&M had been more impressive against uh, LSU, I think Pete's word for it was languid, a languid performance. Uh, you know, if they had dominated that game, they they might have ended up at four, and then we'd really have some fireworks. So I think you're right, Dan, in the final analysis. If Ohio State plays two more games well and wins them, they probably get there. But there's no doubt that that's going to be a discussion point, not just for the committee, obviously, but for the whole country. Yeah, well, they have three, which I think kind of matters in, in, in some way, because they're going to go Michigan State, whoever fills in on the 12th. If, and if then- they have the fill-in game. Yeah, and, and then then however they handle the title game, or it's not a title game, or or or, or whatever it ends up, uh, whatever it ends up being. Yeah, I read Gary Barta's statements to be like they wanted to move Texas A and up. Texas A and up, Texas A and M didn't uphold its end of the bargain. Like think of all the crazy twenty twenty things we're talking about right now. Like Rutgers could be coming off a win over Penn State and want to play a final game of the season that was just supposed to be in the fetal position, right? And then Texas A and M's win over LSU, who they lost to fifty to last year, I believe, wasn't impressive enough. <laughs> like, think about that. If I had said that in August, you guys would have got me drug tested, right? Like Texas A&M's win over LSU wasn't, wasn't to the satisfaction of the committee to allow them to move them up. I mean, it's just the pure insanity and what is bent to normal in our minds in 2020 has been, uh, has been pretty, uh, has been pretty extreme here. The Buckeyes are and will remain the defining playoff story uh, you know, from now until either they lose or until the final rankings come, and them tenuously in fourth is is great drama. They, they're, I, I think they're getting it. I, let me say this about Texas A and M: their season would be totally different, narrative wise, uh, media attention wise, fan enthusiasm wise, probably recruiting wise, everything, if their schedule was flipped around. They got out of the gate with a. 17-12 victory over Vanderbilt and then got punked at Alabama. And everyone kind of gave up on them. They beat Florida, but we didn't know how good Florida was. And then they p- 
beat all these other teams. That there's a lot of bad teams. It, let's say they had started that first weekend beating LSU twenty to seven when we didn't know LSU was bad, and then proceeded oh, yeah. be to talking up. Yeah. proceeded to build up a six and zero record, and we're playing Alabama this weekend, right? And yeah. all of a sudden it'd be like one versus three or four, whatever they would be, and everyone would be hyped to the to the gills about this game. And Jimbo's got it back, but because of the way the schedule broke down, right? You don't really. AM's there, but it's not like this huge narrative, national narrative. I always funny find that funny about the way schedules can kind of dictate it because we read the book uh you know, like in the wrong direction sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And here's the question. I, I think the SEC team that obviously should be worried about is what if Florida wins the SEC title? Well, obviously. Sure. sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that 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 could be the deal breaker. The that's the 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 worst scenario for Ohio State is Clemson beats Notre Dame in a really good game, and Florida beats Alabama in a really good game. And they look and say, well, there's four good teams that have played a lot more games than Ohio State has. You know, what do you do then? Then the committee's got to shake that up because they can't have, like, you can't have Notre Dame two and Clemson three and play a third time. And you got to, like, switch. (laughs) I don't care what your little numbers are. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, Notre Dame becomes number one and Alabama's yeah. two. Yeah. Something. Well, Clemson whatever. has to jump to one or I don't know. However, you got to yeah. do it. Well, you know, there's there was a little there's been some discussion. I think Herb Street even mentioned this, like there's too much focus on this playoff race and this kind of factors into it. You know, I, I, I think that the there is too much focus on the playoff, um, but I think the problem isn't is the playoff. I think it's it's poorly constructed. And you can see some of the problems in it right now where we can't even talk about the Pac-12. I mean, let me say this one. Colorado is 3-0. Yeah. Okay? They aren't ranked. Yeah, unbelievable. Col- Colorado like they, they, can end up 6-0 and too, you know. They can end up 6-0. Have either of you watched a snap of Colorado live no. this year? No, I have not. Uh, but, Pat? No. And Pat, you're from not. Colorado. No, I watched <laughs> so, a little yeah, of that UCLA yeah. game. No. But I, the, I, I don't think I have watched a snap live. No. Nope. Well, look it. I'm just saying they're three and zero, and they're not ranked. So because of that, they're what would otherwise be like a cool story. Nobody cares, right? Cincinnati's a good story. Nobody cares. BYU's a good story. There's a lot of good stories, but we're sitting there like Georgia, which is just like just exists this year, is sitting at eight, and it's like so you you need to have all these conferences so you don't have to worry about this stuff, and and whoever wins the Big Ten gets in. And you got to get rid of the stupid show. Like ESPN is the home of college football, other than this yeah. podcast, of course. And <laughs> there you go. The whole year, all they do is show commercials. Who's in? Who's in? Who's in? Who's in? Who cares? It's a September. And hey, championship games on January 11th. Do I have to set the calendar now? I'm, I'm pre- you know, if I'm watching the Thursday night Troy game, probably the guy who's already going to tune in. I don't need like four months ahead of t- at Thursday. Those rankings that the, the playoff the playoff committee put out a crap playoff that it's a bad playoff, poorly constructed, and then they hype it. They hype the dumbest part of it and tell us who's in five weeks before. You do not have hour long shows on the NFL right now breaking down the potential playoff matchups. They have they put up and go, hey, these teams might get in, might not, but they don't sit there and debate them. It's just like, oh, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. I mean, this is uh, Kirk Herbstreit, who works for ESPN, was lamenting this that it's become a playoff centric thing, and it's ESPN is the one that's made it a playoff centric thing. On the playoff show, playoff. Yeah, on the playoff show, he's lamenting. Yeah, the point 
is legitimate. And my, I guess, counter argument to that is, well, if you're afraid then that it don't, it ex, it's, it's become too exclusionary and you're only talking about five or six teams, well, expand the playoff. Make it an eight-team playoff, and then you're talking about 12 teams or however many, and there's a whole lot more teams to focus on and discussions about it and another layer of games that would be playoff games. I, I think that a, too, too much of a narrow cast playoff is uh, is the part of the problem with that. And that's, I, I've, gosh, I saw some people actually like lamenting, oh, the, the BCS, it wasn't like this. Don't, do not even try. Oh, it was worse. Don't even try to get this warmly nostalgic about the BCS, which was a <laughs> Piece of hey, crap. I don't know. I'm I don't not know. I kind of like that system. I kind of like the 90s, but yeah. <laughs> you just like that your team was good, Sully. That's, the, the system didn't really have anything to do with it. it was Let's the go back yeah. to the old days where we trowned the national title after the regular season, and we just Notre Dame's now the yeah. national champ. Alabama's still triumphing or ca- counting the 1973 national championship after, even though they then went and lost to Notre Dame head to head in the Sugar Bowl. Alabama also has like four national championships given by like laundry mats in Tuscaloosa and milkmen oh, yeah. in, the, in the area. Yeah. Like, One year they had two <laughs> losses. Like, you know, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I mean, look, the playoffs better, but it's a poorly constructed playoff. Nobody right. cares. Nobody cares about these. Uh, the, the Big 12 doesn't matter. These leagues don't matter. A team like Iowa State, you, know, you just you would create more excitement. But then I just I can't sit there and listen to the committee, or this the, the establishment. That's what I when I watch ESPN, it's it's the establishment speaking, right? Like we're going to do the de- we're going to debate the topics that they want us to debate. We're going to ask the questions they want us to ask. All those kind of things. And it's like, is this? I mean, why is this committee putting out? Why do we have a committee? This doesn't make any sense. So what what are your thoughts on on the ACC just basically ending their season after next week? Fascinating. Uh, to me, they, they, they gamed their own system uh, for the benefit of their their best teams. Uh, and, you know, they it's been interesting, some of the schedule manipulation all along, you know, where it's like, well, Miami has a problem. So Louisville, we're moving two of your games, even though you're not involved. Uh, stuff like that, you know. And so but now they finally just reached a point. It's like they. They looked at the standings. They looked at the playoff rankings, and they said, okay, we have what we want. We're done here. We're going to have Notre Dame play Syracuse, who they're going to beat 54-7. to We're not going to have them play Wake Forest on the road, which could be a more competitive game. Clemson, you're going to get one more in, and then you're in the clubhouse, and you're going to win that. And Miami, too, you know, just in case you – just in case Clemson stubs their toe here, Miami, you get one more game in, but then we're going to call it off for you, too. And then you're going to get a week of rest, and then we're going to have a really – Big build-up game, probably of two top four teams uh, in the championship game, and it's going to be the biggest ACC-centric moment uh, they've ever had, probably in football. You know that championship game. If it's undefeated Notre Dame and one loss Clemson, it's the biggest moment they've had. So I, I, I know this. I heard from people in other conferences that were like chapped at this because they're like oh man yeah we could do that too maybe we should just tell if you're in the sec tell a&m and florida and alabama to stop playing yeah well you could you could in a year like this when there's with every when everything's just like complete anarchy and make it up as you go along they're making it up to their own advantage right now unexpectedly savvy play by the acc by the way who are you who are you guys you clumsy (laughs) sec light (laughs) general buffoonery of an organization this is genius good job wasn't the conference office sitting around watching north carolina play stanford yesterday instead of thinking of this like that's what the acc should be doing right like 
was watching old Raycon clips if you think, of like Clemson if, if you from think the ACC tournament in this. If you think yeah. quarantine is bad where you live, try doing it in Greensboro. I mean, you're gonna come <laughs> up. You're gonna. It's not that much fun on a good day. You're gonna find things. You're just gonna brainstorm. That's it. We're just brainstorming today. What if we just end the season? <laughs> yeah, I have a hard time getting too much too worked up over this considering just like we were just talking about Ohio state and they may be playing. If everything goes perfect, they're going to play seven games. They played four right now. So it, you know, I agree that like part of the beauty of college football is you got to figure it out every week and every week offers its own challenges. And then the, the serendipity of those upsets, like the Purdue Ohio state that you never see coming are what makes the season. But it's, it's hard for me that the ACC was so aggressive up front to play these games. And I do think, Part of this is not just the ACC being conniving. It's the ACC doing gymnastics to kowtow to Clemson. And that's like really been a, well, big, like a big part of this. So one man's conniving is another man like like grouped up in the fetal position being like, no, Dabo, stop complaining. So I, I really do think there's a, there's a lot of that, too. We know we know who runs the ACC, just like we know who runs the SEC and Big Ten. And uh, Dabo wasn't getting on the plane. So they're like, we'll change everything else to accommodate your whims. Please stop making runaway bride references. That's them <laughs> saying that. I want all the runaway bride references. I want full radio shows about it. But. That is that is where the ACC is. So I I just am hesitant because they've operated in such a risk free, boring way for the last twenty years in the ACC to give them credit for being this conniving. Yeah, that's <laughs> probably they probably lucked into it. Speaking of the bride, the the most desirable bride out there, uh, we have uh, big news here from something called Estonia Estonia dot com. Ah, get yeah. connected to your city. Uh, I, I believe it is Austin. Uh, is I, I don't know how the O got in there. I don't know. Love this report. This is clickbait at its finest. According to Austonia.com, which gets you connected to your city, if your city is Austonia, uh, <laughs> Urban Meyer's wife, Shelly, recently visited Austin to assess the real estate situation. Austonia has learned. Does this mean it's time for coaching legend Urban to ride into Austin and take the reins from his former assistant, Tom Herman? Now, these the the coach the coach's wife is looking at real estate is gotta be one of the all-time great bad message board coaching rumors. Like to even if this, even if Urban Meyer was about to take this job, do you think he would only take the job because Shelly Meyer wondered if there might be an appropriate house somewhere in Austin? Like, <laughs> like they I, I bet they don't have nice houses there. There, there might, can't possibly be a nice house on, and you know, we barely have any money. I mean, it's going to be like house hunters, like on HGTV. Like what? I love that rumor. Or or they're checking the school districts. Like, dude, I, yes. no coach cares about his kid's school district. <laughs> <laughs> do not. The wives do. The wives do. The, 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 well, uh, yeah, but they'll figure that out when it's time. It's private not school. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Such a great no, that That's. That is, that is, I mean, I, I wish I had somehow kept a chart over my 30 years covering college sports of every time I have heard this rumor. And I know, I do know the number of times it's been true. And that number is zero. It is <laughs> like, you, it just keeps coming up over and over and over. So-and-so was spotted in town X. It's like, that's not the way it works. Especially somebody, a family who's been around the block a little bit with stuff like this, like the Myers. Yeah, like Shelly's going to say to Herb, hey, I'm going to get on a plane and go down there and look at some house. You think Herb's going to go, oh yeah, good idea. No, he's going <laughs> to tackle her 
and <laughs> lock her in the bathroom and say, you're not leaving the house to do that. I mean, make sure they have a pool, honey. <laughs> like, have yeah. they heard of Zillow? Does Austonia know about Zillow? <laughs> <laughs> Who is falling for this story? That, then there's, there's a better chance she was going to Estonia yeah. than Austonia. I mean, come on. <laughs> then my all-time favorite was the rumor that John Gruden was going to become the head coach of Tennessee. One oh. of the 17 times he was going to become the head coach. Oh, yeah. And he was spotted at Calhoun's by the river in Knoxville with Peyton Manning discussing the job. But there was no photo. Okay, so John Gruden and Peyton Manning walk into the biggest restaurant in Knoxville and nobody sees them. They just slipped just be in. careful, Dan, because Sully, Sully believed all 17 of those. So it's, just, it's like a little bit sensitive, all right? Like, be gentle, okay? Like, if you tell me, like, the AD met at the Hyatt in Dallas airport in a back conference room. All right, maybe. But, like, they walked in. Uh, we're trying to keep it on the down low. I think I'll meet Peyton Manning for lunch at Calhoun's. No one will suspect a thing. Uh, Dan, we're, we're done with groomers. We're on to humors, okay? So, we're, yeah, humors. Yeah, yeah. We're, 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 the, the groomers and grumblings, the fact that they got their own term, like, says all yeah. you need to know about, like, right. ridiculously wrong. It would actually be a great column, like, the 10 most ridiculous coaching search rumors of, of all time. Um, yeah, like private plane That's following. That's the lead one. That is number one. And yes. it also tells me, Dan, how long we've been doing this stuff, either podcast or radio, because we talked about the Gruden, Knoxville, Peyton Manning thing when it actually happened. I think that might have been our Yahoo Sports radio days. Yeah, that was, I mean, it's a, that's a classic. All right, I want to do, uh, a, we got some more. We're going to talk some Sour Fuller, make our picks too. But uh, I've got a very important, People's court. Got to do the people's court uh -oh. here. Yeah, we need uh -oh. a ruling here. Uh, okay, so as you know, uh, a lot of lockdowns going on by uh, governments uh, around the world, including uh, our friends in the bar and restaurant industry, who we feel particularly bad for uh, because uh, we're functioning alcoholics and we love bars. Uh, and and the, the issue has extended all the way to uh, England, to the United Kingdom. Uh, right now, there are strict coronavirus restrictions. And so a, uh, a young man named James Aspel, 34, he has uh, he owns a bar in Nottingham called the 400 Rabbits Tequila and Mezcal Cocktail Bar. That's the name. Of wow. It. Quite a name. Dan's pronunciation there shows you how often he goes to cocktail bars. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the cocktail bar. What the hell is this? Anyway, it's shut down right now. So he has come up with a plan, and I need to know what uh, your legal minds think is legal. Uh, apparently, churches are still allowed to be open. So he has uh, changed the official designation of his of his spot <laughs> from a a cocktail bar, tequila and cocktail bar, to a place of religious worship. Uh, Hallelujah! The, uh, it's now it. called the Church of the Four Hundred Rabbits, <laughs> and he has a. A petition where you can sign up to become a bunny believer uh, with places of worship allowed to open in all tiers. We thought, F it, let's start a religion. Can't be that hard, he said. Congregation daily till late. There's a great picture of him putting in his application uh, in a mailbox in England. We do not know whether it's open or not. Some of his regulars, Ken Scott, the only religion I would get on board with. Hopes and prayers. <laughs> the only reason I'd take up religion, says Lee Harrison. Uh, you uh, So there's a lot of support for this. It reminds me, there's a great, there's a sign in some bar in Minneapolis. I read this once. It was a, it's a Ukrainian proverb, and it, I'm going to try to remember how it gets. It's, the church is near, 
but the road is icy. The bar is far. I will walk carefully. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so maybe he could put that up there. Some kind of Ukrainian thing. Yeah. Spoke to me. Spoke to me. Anyway, uh, legal mind, Pat Forty. I know we're not, uh, we're not, we don't know a lot about England law, old law, the old sod, but common law. Should the tequila bar be able to become a church and thus be open? This is an open and shut case. I mean, if, if we ever had an easier people's court. <laughs> good jury. You got a good jury the here. Father, yeah, yeah, the here. father, the son, and the holy mezcal. Uh, they, they, this is absolutely, a. this is an inspired movement, maybe even a divine prophecy on his part. You know, maybe like instead of communion, you eat the worm out of the tequila bottle. I, I, you can you can work with this. You can come up with some some really good religion uh, to make this thing work. I, I am wholly in favor. Of it. I may move to Nottingham just to join this this religious movement. At, at the very least, I think we, we need to go international and do a live pod. From this gentleman's uh, from this gentleman's establishment. I'm sorry, this gentleman's altar. Like we want to be on the altar. We could set up all our equipment. Sully could do it on the altar. Uh, the father, son, and the Jose Cuervo. Like we're all in. <laughs> uh, I think we're we're Love good. It. Good job. Let's go. Maybe we do. Yeah. Let's see if we yeah. can convince our bosses. We do a road show there. Yeah, I think I like. It. All right. Uh, one other. A million people sent us this because this is part of our ongoing saga, and. Um, <laughs> We rarely have news of the government doing well, but uh, kudos to the transportation department. The days of pets flying with their owners in airplane cabins are coming to an end. The transportation department issued a final ruling Wednesday covering animals on airlines. It decided that only dogs can fly as service annuals and companions such as passengers used for emotional support don't count. We have had cats, turtles, potbelly pigs, and in one case, a peacock. Plus there was that what was that horse's name? That horse oh, that yeah. flew to Omaha? Flirty. 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 Flirty, Flirty oh. the horse. A lady brought a horse on a plane and said it was an emotional support horse. Flew from <laughs> yeah. Chicago to Omaha. It's not even that far right. of a drive. No. There was a I, pig, too, wasn't there? There's pigs, yeah, peacocks, pig. yep. all sorts of things. I have no comment. I'm just giddy. Thank yeah, you. No, this is a great step forward in American airline aviation history here. It's like, please. Get Noah's Ark off the plane. Put him on the damn Ark if you want him. <laughs> when we return to our, our normal travel schedules, I really feel like the elimination of animals is going to be good. I mean, what, are you going to put a mask on Flirty? Not, you good luck a with diaper. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pig masks for the emotional support pig. I mean, it just makes sense. Seems fair to me. Seems fair to me. Um, all right. Uh, Sarah Fuller. She is yeah. the, uh, the, the star of college football. Got uh, many people excited about college football. Discussed it already. We're not going to go through this whole bit. She's going to apparently be the kicker again this week. I, I think our, I think I can speak for all of us that if you uh, are offended that uh, about the the kicking situation on the 0-8 Vanderbilt Commodores, uh, you need a hobby. Uh, waking up and looking for something to be miserable about and offended about is not a good look. Uh, it happens at uh, people of all different political persuasions, but uh, we are not offended. You know, Pete and I were talking about this earlier. I wrote a story about, I, I talked to a bunch of women who work in the National Football League, uh, coaches, uh, agents, uh, league personnel. There are referees. There's all this stuff. There's a bunch of women, not a ton, but they're growing ranks working in the National Football League. And they were very excited about Sarah Fuller. Uh, obviously, I wrote the column and had a bunch of men tell me that the women were wrong for feeling this way. Um, of course. <laughs> and I should not talk to anyone who doesn't have the same opinion as they have. 
which is that Sarah Fuller is a horrible person. But uh, <laughs> nonetheless, I did talk to these women uh, and their feeling was that uh, this will inspire more women to think not to play football. They're not going to you can't play football. You can't play in the NFL as a woman. You just it's not happening. Sorry. I also got people criticizing me for that. America just sucks right now. People are like, how, how, how can you say she can't kick in the NFL? Um, uh, you never say never. I'm saying never. All right? Never. It's a good story, but let's not get carried away. But why do we not have more women working in college football in the coaching ranks? Not necessarily to be the head coach. You know, to be the D-line coach. But you have these huge staffs, more schools, more places, and we don't have an offensive analyst anywhere. We don't have an assistant tight end coach. We don't have a video coordinators. We don't, we don't have women. College football loves these coaches love to tell you how innovative they are and how they take their 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 outsmarting conventional wisdom. Literally half the population is not included in the in the job pool. Just common sense tells me that there are women out there who would be quite adept at all sorts of jobs in college football. And quite honestly, one day should be the head coach. We don't even have it much in basketball, right? And, and it's, it's bizarre. There's not a single assistant coach who's a woman in basketball. There Pe have been, but I don't believe there very, are. Yeah, yeah been, there have yeah. been, but it's very rare. Cotton State, Maine. I think Eastern few, Michigan one had one. Patino had, yeah. Yeah. had one at Kentucky. Yeah, Burnett, long time Lock Maddox. Why not? I, I, I don't want this, you know, obviously we're not going to debate, like, should this happen? But, like, is, is Kyle, uh, could, could it happen? Could it work? Is this an advantage for somebody? Like, I mean, seems like there's a lot of teams just treading water here. Maybe, maybe. Go go open up the, the pool of candidates here. Let me start here. I, I give college football credit where you have seen an influx of women, especially in the past seven or eight years, is in the recruiting department. The like, for example, I know Lee Davis is the director of recruiting at the University of Florida and is a vital part of that staff in their recruiting effort. She's a daughter of a high school football coach, and she's relied upon for evaluation both of football and of character and knowing families and, and being kind of the face of the of the recruitment. And she is by no means the only woman. Uh, P.J. Fleck had a director of operations who's a woman when he was at uh, Western Michigan. I really feel like we and there there have been a handful of other women who have been in those operation roles. I think Bob Diaco had a woman at UConn. Like there, are, we have seen more and more of them. And I do really feel like the coaches who have hired women have really said, oh, they add such a different perspective and a balance to the staff and can relate to the kids in such different ways that they've gone and hired and hired more. In fact, I'd be surprised if of the, you know, 60 power five schools, if there aren't women on every recruiting staff at this point, I would think it may not be every single one, but I would say it's 80, 90% at this point. And I think it's a good evolution for the, for the sport. It's good for the kids. It's good for the staffs. It's uh, it's good for everyone. But when will we cross that Rubicon to having a woman as a position coach? I, I don't know that, but I do feel like we're close to that within the next 10 years. Well, I hope it's sooner than 10. It's, it, it is mysterious to me that we still haven't gotten to that point. And yeah, um, Sonny Dykes also had a female ops director at Cal. I, and you know what? I'm glad there are these women in these positions. I hope that, yeah, we get beyond. 
I, I don't want to say it's pigeonholing them in recruiting positions so they can be charming or whatever. The same reason we had recruiting hostess is not the same reason. But, you know, that, that, that that's the only place you're looking for uh, female interaction is, is so that they can help be charming to people because that shouldn't necessarily be the goal by any stretch. You know, there's there's plenty of smart women. I, there was a, a, a woman on the Stanford swim team who got an analytics internship with the NFL office. You know, people like that. They, I mean, there's plenty of great number crunchers, probability people, you know, I mean, that, that can, can step in and be helpful in those positions that are becoming increasingly valuable or at least leaned upon in coaching departments. Why it hadn't happened in college as much as the NFL, Dan, I, Pete, I, I don't know. I, I, other than the fact that college in general, in almost every hiring practice uh, in athletics, has been behind the professional leagues. I just, I, you know, again, it's it's not even like, well, you should do this. It's why not take that advantage? And, and yeah. you know, you look at it like basketball, like the Boston Celtics had Kara Lawson as an assistant coach, and then she got the Duke women's head coaching job. If you be the assistant coach of the Boston Celtics, you know, maybe somebody else offered a job, but there's 330 college programs out there. Like, seems like she would be capable. And I know the old idea, this is a men's locker room and blah, blah, blah. Like that, those days are over. Co coaches are getting fired for that culture. Yes. You know, I, this isn't Bobby Knight's NCA anymore. This isn't Henry Iba's NCA or, or, you know, Bear Bryant's NCA. You can't act that way. And I don't think most coaches do. So, like, it just seems like there's this unbelievable opportunity out there to find this talent. And for whatever reason, uh, even though these things are tied to colleges, there's just not a whole lot of uh, movement to. So maybe I, I, I did not know about all of the recruiting coordinators. I do know there's more, but that's um, I, I would seem like there's some football thing, because when you talk to these women in the NFL and the Cleveland Browns for the first time, it was because of a paternity leave. But. They had a woman as the as the tight end coach on on uh, Sunday's game, like as position coach, and so they're getting there. And the N the NFL is not hiring people on a on a coaching staff. They might hire people. They might have twenty years ago hired women in their league office to try to uh, do the right thing. But these head football these head coaches in the NFL are not doing anything unless it's working. So if you're you know these they're showing they can do the job. There's tons of people who coach who never played. Uh, competitive football uh, beyond high school or if enough that uh, and the games are so much more complicated than even when someone might have played 40 years ago there's no there's no relation to I mean Nick Saban was a defensive back at Kent State I don't think there's a whole lot of his, uh, relation to what was going on then to what he's trying to cover now it doesn't matter so uh, this is sort of it was an interesting conversation yeah, that you have to have played the game uh, line. I reminded, you know, that that people end up in the White House who were not necessarily career politicians or something like that. You know, they, they, you can you can you don't have to have come from that necessarily that small niche to then end up working in the same industry. Yeah. And, and everybody everybody's industry has female bosses, pretty much. There was yeah. a, there was a time when no women worked in sports media. Right. And now the there are the bosses almost everywhere. Mike Leach did not play college football. Uh, Charlie Weiss, who was a, a 
accomplished coordinator, won super at least one Super Bowl, but I think multiple. He was also not a uh, not a college football player. You know, Dan and I were talking about this today. Bill Belichick was not exactly like a dynamite college football player. He was a Division three middling offensive lineman. Uh, so yeah, I, I really think the they haven't played excuse is is up and yeah. I hope my my ten years was is too pessimistic, Pat. I, I really uh, I really do because when now when I walk into football buildings and football offices, you do see more women. They do have a more vibrant presence on staffs, and they do have bigger roles. And I really hope that is a trend that continues. All right, let's get to the race for the case because this is a pretty good race. And I say that because yeah, my comfort behind is. victory is going to be really impressive. That's right. Yeah, let's talk about it. Right, Sully? Should we talk about (laughs) it? Let's fire it up. You're not in first, Pat. No, I know. But I was 5-0 last week, as was Sean Sullivan. And we just kind of glossed over that in the overreaction Monday podcast. We're crunched for for time. We need to get on with Mm -hmm. it. You tweeted about it, Pat. So, again, I give Pat credit. Like, he was so bad last year that he deserves his moment of feeling good right Uh now. And the year before that, I... Yeah, the year before that, I trounced you. So the, there the, is that. C, the C student who gets a B minus, you, you, you pat him on the head <laughs> yes. and go, not as big of an idiot as I thought you were, son. All right. Pete, Gold star for Pat. Tom Herman screwed up the game. Yeah. <laughs> Pat, uh, Pete, you're 44 and 32. Pat, 42 and 34. Sully, 40 and 36. I am 37 and 39 with the asterisk of I win all ties because of the Fat Bear contest. So <laughs> you got to get got to get close enough to have a tie. <laughs> yeah. I'm only seven cut. back in the loss column. Dan's math was like that Big Ten math. Like Don't worry. if they were going to have to lower the minimum, you know, like it was the train left Houston world problem. And then somebody did the word problem. It's like 12 of the 14 games need to be canceled. Yeah. And one of the games has to be the Ohio State game that can't be canceled. It's like that. Better have a hell of a bowl season, Dan. Hell of a bowl. Yes. Uh, last year I had a hell of a bowl season. I you did have a hell of a bowl season. Yeah. That was, that was I was like 30 and four or something. It was crazy. I should. No, please. It was, that was good. All right, let's get to it. Number 25, Louisiana at Appalachian State, 830 Friday night. Good game for Friday night. Sunbelt West champs UL have never beaten Appalachian State. They are 0 and 8. App is giving negative uh, two. Pete, who you got? I'm going to take App State here. It is, uh, I really feel like there's going to be a certain point where App State has some pride and uh, it, it is a home game and this is big for Louisiana. I, I don't think it is lost on Louisiana players that Billy Napier's name is being knocked around and all these jobs that have uh, that have opened and they don't really have a ton to play for right now other than having not beaten them because they've already, uh, they've already clinched their spot in the Sunbelt title game. So uh, on a nice cold Friday in App, I think they're going to be playing for some pride and I'm not going to bet against the pride of App State. Uh, you know what? Pete's been on the App State bandwagon a couple times. It bit him with Coastal. I'm going to go against him. I'm going to take Lafayette there. I, my one concern is that, yes, Billy Napier may be distracted uh, in talks with somebody else about a job, but I think they're a better team than App State is. I mean, App State is a good team, but I think Louisiana Lafayette's really good. I mean, they've lost one game, a field goal to Coastal Carolina. They thumped Iowa State. They won their last game 70-20. to 20. Um, so I am rolling with the raging Cajuns. I'm with Pete here. Uh, Louisiana gives up almost 180 yards rushing a game. App State loves to pound that rock. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, the UL doesn't really have anything to play for with uh, Billy Napier out the door, and they have the West Championship locked in the Sun Belt. So 
Give me App. I am taking App State too. Western North Carolina is the college sports capital of the world this week after Asheville hosted the Maui Classic, of course. It made perfect sense. The Camping World Maui Classic. Nothing I like more than firing up my RV and heading to Maui. Uh, no, I'm taking App State in this. Yeah. All right. Number five, Texas A&M at Auburn. Noon, ESPN Saturday. A&M given six. Boy, I, you know, I... I don't know. I ooh, I really want to pick Auburn because I think that, well, they're undefeated at home and they're due to have one big win. You know, they, they there's not many years go by where Gus doesn't have one good win. But boy, I hated what I saw from them against Alabama. I mean, they look terrible. A&M's defense is much improved. I, I'm going to take A&M and, leave, and, and, and give the points. Ah, damn it. I want to take A&M. I want to go against you. But unfortunately... I'm not going to, I'm not going to, after I just saw this Auburn team laid for dead, I just really can't. And again, if AM's biggest crime was looking languid in the rain, I, I think if, if that game had been normal weather and they performed a little better, they feel like they should be 13 point favorites in this game, not six. So I think there's some good value in the egg. Yeah, I'm with you. Kellen Mond didn't look great, but you're right. It was in the rain and Bonex is awful. So <laughs> against the top 25 defense, give me the Aggies. It's hard to argue with that analysis. Yeah, I'll take A&M. West Virginia at number nine, Iowa State, 330 on ESPN. Cyclones are giving seven and then taking a case of Bush Light. Yeah, um, I'm rolling with the clones here. They do play close games. West Virginia's had a good season, but they are undefeated at home, winless on the road. So I don't see them winning here. Iowa State feeling good, lots to play for, uh, rolling into the, the Big 12 championship game as well assuredly if they win this game. So I'm, I am taking Iowa State to win and cover the 6.5. West Virginia has been just a really difficult team to get a, to get a beat on this season. Um, they haven't played since November 14th. If Oklahoma went to Morgantown last week, I think we'd have a better feel for West Virginia. But we do know... The one thing Pat pointed out is that this is a program in the road on the Big 12 that consistently falls on its face. West Virginia has a surprisingly good defense, and I, I think that Iowa State will find a way to score enough, but this is going to be like a 20-10 to 10 game. Uh, Iowa State games are not exactly aesthetic beauties, and this one will fall into that. But I, I, I don't have enough faith in the Mountaineers. I don't have enough body of evidence to think that they will cover. But if they end up rolling back to I wouldn't be surprised. But I'm, still, I'm taking the clones. West Virginia has a stingy defense. This game will be a close one. Uh, I think Iowa State wins, but West Virginia covers. <sighs> Iowa State usually, man, they are close games. I really wish fans, imagine this place jammed. Imagine, uh, I mean, oh, there's been so many games like that, but what a what a scene in Ames it would have been. Hey, quality tune. Every time you hear it, quality tune. So that's it. That inspired me. Hooray for aim high. Aim high. Aim high, aim high. I, I have to add here, Dan, that uh, Skip Brayback, the uh, Iowa State football ops guy, and his dad are loyal listeners to the pod. And Skip told me that every time that we play the aim song, he cries laughing. So, Skip, enjoy your enjoy your laugh probably at like 445 in the morning in a, on a cold day in Ames. Uh, hopefully we give you a, a, a chuckle this week headed into the West uh, Let me say this. Sully, please play the entire song on the way out. We will we'll end the yeah. show with the full glory of the Ames thing. Uh, number four water plant or something in uh water treatment plant in the Midwest. How <laughs> yeah, yeah. are you going to vote against that? I mean, I got a soak cyclones cover a uh, big party Saturday night. All right. Uh, Alabama at LSU. Boy, this, this is a big game every year, huh? 
Uh, Bama given four touchdowns, negative 28 for Alabama. So glad we could make this up. This is easy, man. If you take LSU, uh, yeah, you're, uh, yeah, there's, there's, you've spent so much time at Tigerland. That, that is, uh, that is, this is, this is easy money right now because the recruiting trail is still raging between these two. Uh, safety from Lafayette a couple weeks ago just picked LSU over Alabama. So that will be in the back of Nick Saban's mind. And I think the stout defensive effort in the rain against AM was a little bit of fool's gold. I would have, I would have put this line at about 35. Yeah, this is Bama Layham. LSU's in disarray. Their best player just opted out, Terrace Marshall. Ed Orgeron did his best to ruin the confidence of his freshman quarterback by berating him on the field. Uh, Alabama is going to be out for revenge blood. And as Pete mentioned, there is the recruiting angle as well. Alabama will crush LSU. I'm with you. And I need Mac Jones and Devonta Smith to go off to win my SEC fantasy league. So uh, please do that. Please trounce the Tigers. Let's go. Roll Tide. Uh, roll Tide. Easy game. Easy pick right there. Uh, and then finally, number 12, Indiana versus number 16, Wisconsin. Indiana doesn't have their quarterback. Penix is out for the year, unfortunately. 3.30 on ABC. Wisconsin is a 14.5-point favorite. It's the only ranked matchup of the weekend. Kind of sad. And it's a 14.5-point spread. Yeah. yeah. Anyone want to take uh, the Hoosiers? I'll take the Hoosiers. That's a lot of points. Wisconsin, I can't see them. And look, Hoosiers have decent defense. They have other weapons other than Penix, like certainly... Ty Freifogel won't have the same amount of balls thrown his way in the same that, but I, I think they, they've shown too much spirit to think they're going to lay down. So I'll, I'll take the 14 and a half. Oh boy. I mean, I like everything Pete just said there, but I still, you are, you are asking a quarterback who has never started a college game to go up against an extremely good defense. And I think that will lead to some mistakes and Wisconsin will have enough going for them offensively to be able to score more. Enough to cover the 14 and a half. I, I hate that half. I've been on the wrong side of the half a couple times, but I'm I'm going to take Wisconsin and lay the 14 and the hook. Pat didn't sound very certain there, did he? <laughs> no, I, I'm not You were trying to talk yourself out of it the whole time. I, I'm not certain. The little I did watch the Indiana-Maryland game last week, they didn't look good even before Phoenix got hurt. So uh, give, me, give me the Badgers. Yeah, I'm going Badgers too. I, 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 Indiana's going to have to reprove its offense to me. Sorry. Tom Allen can use this as motivation and then yell at, yell at us later. He's going to mention you specifically in his postgame he speech, might. which has been the one of the best things about 2020 or the Tom Allen postgame Yeah, speech. they're pretty good. Lock of the week. Lock of the week. Who's got one? Oh, I got one. All right, go for it. Tennessee has only been a <laughs> double-digit underdog to Florida once before. And um, it, the, number two this weekend, 17 and a half points. Give me the Gators. Lay those points. Eric Berry isn't walking through the door. Uh, to cover Kyle Pitts, uh, <laughs> Gators huge. I have I have a Tennessee prop bet for you, Sully. Over under of two. How many recruits will decommit this week from the Volunteers? Yeah, they lost a big one. Didn't they lose a big one this week? If we don't count Terrence Lewis, give me the under. Okay, all right, that's good. We'll keep track of that one. We got one week. What do we say? One week one or week. by signing day. No, you one week. Two oh, weeks so. out from signing day. If it was two weeks, then I'd absolutely take the over. But <laughs> <laughs> the life of a Vol fan. Uh, all right, uh, Pete, you have a lock of the week, please? Yeah, I'm going to take Washington State getting 14 at USC. I mean, USC just doesn't beat anybody by 14. And Washington State, when not COVID rattled, has looked fairly competent this season. So I will, uh, I'll get a little, that's not 
Pac-12 late, late after dark, like Oregon State, Utah. But I'll, I'll give myself a little Pac-12 action and take uh, take Rolo and the boys down in L.A. Well, Pete, you've, you've, you've bet against USC before, and it hadn't worked out. We'll see if you have better luck this time. I'm going to take Clemson again to lay the lumber on a Virginia Tech team that is in disarray. It's 22 is what I have. I don't know, Sully, is that, uh, does that sound accurate to you? 21 and a half. Okay, 21 and a half. All, all the better. Uh, I think Clemson definitely has that eye of the tiger. Not pardon the pun there, but you know, I mean, they are they are going out for blood here as they often they hit they end seasons on some pretty serious rolls, and I think that that's the case here. And Virginia Tech, as I said, I'm not sure how much they still want to play. Uh, they are not playing well, so I like Clemson there. And I'm sorry that Dan Wetzel can't pick Michigan again this week for his lock of the week. Their <laughs> game is canceled. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll give another to take a look at is is Colorado only giving seven at Arizona. Arizona is not good. Colorado's got yeah. a lot to play for. I may just be building the Colorado Buffalo bandwagon. I'm the only one in the country talking about the three and O buffs, but I'm not Captain picking Carl Durrell <laughs> coach of the year, coach of the year. Yeah. I, You'll uh, get your own uh, weed strain named after you in Boulder, so. Dan, because you're, so. you're early yeah. on the buff bandwagon. Uh, buff, buff, so. buff. Dan Wetzel is on it. <laughs> I once, uh, I once officiated a wedding in Colorado, in Boulder too. So, <laughs> really, yeah. that sounds like a story for another yeah. podcast. <laughs> I had to become yeah. a priest. I had to become a priest. Uh, some internet religion yeah. or something. It's like that guy in England with the bar. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Appreciate everyone listening. We're back on Sunday night, Monday for the overreaction show. Lord knows what will happen between now and then. Uh, and we're going to send you out. This is a reason to make sure you subscribe and share us on social media. The stylings of the Hooray Ames song. Hooray! We love it in the city of Ames. Hooray! We love it in Ames. It's beautiful in autumn, late December brings snow. Ames is a safe place. The crime rate is low. We've got great schools. The students score high. We go for number one. Not just to get by. Inside at the Bronx. We think that's great. Over 357 schools in the state. If you visit here, you won't want to go home. Join us with a hooray, hooray for the awesome cyclones. It's ISU, the home of field magic. Driving with the top down by College Creek. The spring is mild and the flowers shine. Let's hear a hooray, hooray for the warm summertime. Affordable living, why go to L.A.? Number nine best city in the U.S.A. For a glass of water when you visit our town. Crack a smile. Drink it down. It's the cleanest around. Hooray! We love it in the city of A. Hooray! We love it in A. If you're just passing through or you're here to stay. Hooray! Let's hear it for the city of A. Intelligent people with kinder ways. Hooray! Let's hear it for the city of A. Four seasons to enjoy, everybody say. Hooray! Let's hear it for the city of Bay. Travel back to Beat, there's a place on Bay. Let's hear it for the city of Bay. Short commuter times, and that don't hurt. Less than 20 minutes to get to work. Take a walk or a ride. Great start to your day. 36 recreation areas to play. The water's so great that it won awards. Many cultures live together without any wars. So come along with me and give Ames a try. We love it in the city of Ames. Hooray! We love it in Ames. 
you're just passing through or you're here to stay. Hooray! Let's hear it for the city of Maine. Intelligent people with kinder ways. Hooray! Let's hear it for the city of Maine. Four seasons to enjoy, everybody say. Hooray! Let's hear it for the city of Maine. Let's grab a bite to eat, there's a place on Maine. Let's hear it for the city of Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.